Hello, everyone. In today's episode, you're going to hear a conversation with Keely, who is the woman behind the brand, the concept, all things fat alchemy. Keely is such an inspiration, and she is the woman who is about sparking those difficult and uncomfortable conversations around fat phobia, white supremacy, the patriarchy lack of self-love within women and where that all stems from. This conversation is really important and really insightful. Also, if you are listening before Friday, December 10th, then you still have the opportunity to win our local giveaway that is happening here in Victoria, British Columbia. We are partnering with two other local businesses to offer a branding entrepreneurial starter kit for women in the city. So this is an opportunity to get business coaching with my aligned purpose with myself and Kayla to get your website brand logo set up with Catherine from Swank Creative and to also get headshots and branding photography with Julia Lolisi, who is Julia Lolisi Photography. So just make sure that you head to our Instagram at my aligned purpose to check that out and you can enter the giveaway. And also this month, inside of Coffee Club, we are doing the High Five Habit by Mel Robbins. And then we are moving into all things manifestation woo in January with the book Ask and It Is Given. So make sure that if you are not yet in Coffee Club, that you get joined up with us for the new year. We're going to be offering more value, more content, more collaboration. This is the place to be, and we would love to have you. Welcome to My Aligned Purpose, the podcast. I am your host, Nicole McClellan. I'm a mindset expert and NLP business coach. Together with my business partner, Kayla Pilecki, we founded MyLined Purpose, which is a coaching and educational training company for women entrepreneurs. I am so obsessed with learning and teaching everything to do with mindset, manifestation, entrepreneurship, and money. My past experiences as a high school teacher, yoga and mindfulness instructor, world traveler, starting and retiring a nonprofit organization, as well as writing a best-selling book, F All Led Me Here, on the MAP podcast. I have always been told that I have this really special way of blending science and spirituality when it comes to mastering the deep connection between our bodies and our minds. My goal on this podcast is to show you the limitless possibilities that await you in your business and your life. I aim to inspire, educate, and have really juicy conversations with other women entrepreneurs to inspire you to live life on your terms. Tune into this podcast for your weekly personal development. You will feel well-equipped with strategies, inspiration, tools, and magic to go about living your best day. Because after all, how we spend our days is how we live our lives. So are you ready to master your mindset and get rich in the process? Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of My Line Purpose, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm really looking forward to you hearing today's podcast. I get to have a conversation with Keely Koch, and Keely is calling in from Portland, and I've had the incredible pleasure of meeting Keely a few months back when she was writing her book. And so 
obviously we connected. I loved her smile. We got to have coffee together every morning over Zoom. It was amazing. And I just love her message, her energy, her aura. I love having her in our MyLine Purpose community. And so why don't you come on in, Keely, say hello. Tell us a little bit about what got you. <laughs> and I mean, I know for you know people, this can be a long story, a short story, but a little bit about how you arrived here at this place in life, this time oh, in wow. life. I will. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Keely. Also, you can find me as Fat Alchemy. That's kind of how people are learning about me a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, How did I get here? Well, let us just say that I have been a lifelong fat girl. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, I think that comes with its own... um, specific line of self-loathing and so uh, it took me many years and um really going down a horrible rabbit hole of chronic illness to realize that a lot of the things um that were eating me alive were deeply rooted in things that didn't even belong to me and that my my own disdain for my body and the way that I felt I had to navigate the world were so deeply rooted in um, misogyny and patriarchy and white supremacy Mm -hmm. that (laughs) it wasn't until I really started doing that kind of research that I realized that no matter how much I tried to convince myself that I loved myself or how many times I listened to all the self-help books um, until I really addressed my own internalized um, white supremacy and the things and patriarchal brainwashing in essence that I really wasn't going to do the healing completely. I was always going to do a little surface stuff. Um, So that's kind of where I am. That's where I've been for a while of having done all of the things um, in order to feel good and right in my body. And it wasn't until I realized that and became more educated about it, that those things are just so deeply rooted in, in societal mind. Brainwashing. <laughs> I'm a yeah. bad cusser. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're at yeah. now. Well, Keely, I really appreciate that you say that because I think that um, because societally, societally, we um, can be brainwashed so easy. The media can portray messaging that feels like it's just the norm. Mm-hmm. Where do you see in your own personal work or the work that you do with others? where the blinders are on like where do you see like that say maybe women in particular have blinders on to how they are viewing themselves is rooted in white supremacy or from the patriarchy I think the blinder a a lot of the time is shame I think acknowledging our own inherent um, tendencies especially in where I am in America Uh, the United States is um, hard to admit that 
what we have been taught so frequently, especially as women about our bodies, um, is so deeply rooted in stain for the black female body um, mm. can be very powerful, but also, you know, cognitive dissonance is real. You, you have to acknowledge a lot of really um, intense reality to realize that the way you feel about your body, the way that it has been given to you by all of the media um, and our parents and all those things, because they are just as brainwashed as we have been, um, mm -hmm. realizing that you have to put some of that shame down first. Um, it's okay mm -hmm. to say that we, we are all racist as white people, it is impossible to be raised in a society that is firmly rooted and built on the supremacy of a white male mm -hmm. human, right? And not be touched by that in some way. So just being able to say it out loud and putting down some of the shame associated with even the words. Yeah. Yeah. I could feel my body be like, oh, that's not something I want to say. No, it makes your butt clench, your butt cheeks clench, right? Like yeah. nobody wants to say white supremacy or I am racist, right? We yeah. have this connotation that racism is, you know, all, you know, white cloaks and the KKK and all these little things. It's not, it's innocuous. It's in our everyday life. And we have to start acknowledging that and being okay with saying it without shame and our you know, sphincter clenching because it's real. It is what it is. There is no forward movement within our own personal selves unless we can really acknowledge how we have been ruined societally, you know? Mm. And what would you say got you into this particular lens of, um, I would say, work and being? I would say that having been a fat human my entire life. Um, the only place that I could find to garner any insight as to how to navigate that with style and grace and sexiness and empowerment was by looking to black women um, mm. and realizing that, holy crap, every ounce of confidence that I know for my personal self, I have as a fat white woman in this world has come off the backs of watching black women navigate the world. Um, so the more that I honored that and dug into really the work of being educated by the black women in my life, um, that's how I came to it. Uh, the deep realization that truly all of my confidence, anything that I feel good about myself for the most part has come from watching black women navigate the world. I, that's beautiful. And I love how it is. Um, it's like, it's permission. Yeah. It feels like, it's like, you know, I, I see that somebody else can be in their body and love it. And I want that for myself too. And yeah. then, and then what a journey that that's taken you through, because I know that in your book that you are um, in the 
process of having published and mm-hmm. and being launched out into the world, this is a big part of your message. It is. It really is. Um, <laughs> I venture to say it is a fine line between putting this, what I feel is an important message into the world and also honoring um, all the black women who have educated me. Um, so I feel really compelled to share the information, um, but also extremely aware that it is imperative to acknowledge the work of all the black women who paved the way for sure. Mm. And what do you feel like you want your message how do you want your message to be received by the white women who read your book? What is, what is the lesson or the teachings that you hope is portrayed from your perspective as, as a white woman? I would like a, a better understanding for women that the disgust we sometimes feel when we look at ourselves in the mirror, if our butt is too big, if our thighs are too thick, if our, you know, arms are too flabby. Um, So often without realizing it, um, these things have come from our strong desire to be seen as beautiful and wonderful by the white male gaze and the white male gaze has led you to believe that everything about you is wrong because they are have decided that anything related to imperfection is directly related to the black body. So in order for you to feel more at home in your own body, you need to realize that all of those messages you've been sent your entire life have nothing to do with you, one but are also deeply rooted in fearing the black body. And when you have been doing your work on this and I would assume research, it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're very knowledgeable and educated in this realm of work. You know, what, what do you feel like has been the most the word I that's coming to me is like alarming what has felt like oh my gosh like I can't believe I didn't see it this way or I can't believe society's not seeing it this way oh I think a lot of it is so alarming I think really one for me realizing that uh, here's a good one here's a real good one and I I struggle I will say out in advance that I, I do have adult age ADHD and I do struggle with the minutia of, you know, information sometimes like who said mm-hmm. what and who did what, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I will say what was so deeply eye opening and empowering to me was realizing that the tool that even our healthcare system utilizes to uh, evaluate our body size, that being BMI body mass index Uh, was created by a white male German physician, perhaps Austrian, if I am off base, I'm sorry about that. You can do your own legwork on that exactly. Mm -hmm. And it was created by, he's a scientist, he wasn't a medical doctor, to determine the perfect white male 
body. It had nothing to do with your health or if you were, you know, if, if you were a little too fat and your body might be, you know, freaking out a little for some reason, it has nothing to do with that. It is literally to determine the perfect white male ratio. That's it. So it has, it has zero to do with you. And, you know, and, and I hate BMI scales and assessments because they're so grotesquely off. Like, oh, they're the, so the... deeply off. But they, they, we're talking about, what, two, 200 years maybe? We've been utilizing uh, the BMI scale to determine whether or not somebody's body is right. And it is mm. based solely on what a, the perfect white man, not anybody else. And it's in an attempt to eliminate what a black body would look like. Oh, yeah, that is, that is, it's heavy. Yeah. The thing that you have been told, BMI, the thing we have all, and so many of us, I'm sure as women have lived and died by, or, you know, macroed our way to, you know, a 80 pound weight loss or whatever we had to do Mm -hmm. to try and get to that completely unrealistic, you know, balance of whatever that looked like for the BMI scale um, is all rooted in true white supremacy. What is the perfect white male body? And that is what really triggered me. I was like, oh, okay. So now let's go down this rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, And the deeper I went, the more I realized that it really is just so much of us trying not to look anything like what white men thought slaves looked like. That is, um, you know, and it, it's such a, it's such a big message. It is. <laughs> right and there. it's a hard pill to swallow and it's intense. And there's so many layers to it that obviously I'll never be able to address wholly or fully as a white woman. Um, But I think for me, what is so important is just to start the conversation Mm -hmm. and to get out of our own shame filled way of pretending that, you know, Oh, I'm not racist. I don't, I, I love everybody. It's not like that. You know, we can't woo woo our way through it you know there isn't that oh I don't see color or it isn't any of that you know that's all BS at this point it's we're way past time where any of that is effective yeah absolutely and you know when I hear you um talking just everything you're sharing is it's so important and it's so deep and it's so much work and it also and another frame on it is I'm also thinking about um, teenagers and teenage girls in particular. And I think about how so much of our body image is molded and defined and distorted at that time in life. And you Mm -hmm. and I have both been teenage girls before, but now the the deeper layer to it is social media and the comparison. And I wonder, like, what are your thoughts and feelings about how young women are being brought up in the world right now with this 
device in their hands to compare themselves to others at every moment of the day. You know, I I have a 50-50 split on that. I think that they have also the luxury of exposure to so many different body types now, right? We have, mm-hmm. um, you know, women like Lizzo now, right, who's just constantly on social media and who's, you know, a singer and an actress and a woman in a very large body. Um, but also, once again, a black woman in a large body leading the charge on what, you know, is and isn't, you know, acceptable for us. Mm-hmm. Um, loving her body. Yeah, and loving her body. And as much as I have a deep disdain um, for the Kardashians, uh, I think that there is still some exposure, even in those realms to the fact that um, you don't have to be real thin anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's, there's all the, the other 50%, you know, where <laughs> it's, a, you know, some yogi How- and Lulu lemon and just, you know, got her leg around her neck and you're thinking that that's <laughs> what your body's supposed to look like. Um, and or the I- filters that, you know, cut oh, your cheeks off. I, you know, there is no, there is no easy answer. You know, we're not going to eliminate all of that ever. It's always going to be a thing. Um, but I think if we, especially as, you know, either m- millennials or Gen Xers or, um, you know, Gen Z, older Gen Zers who can start to break the cycle for the next generation. You know, I know for myself as a Gen Zer, I did not have anybody. There wasn't anybody to look at. There was, you know, Nell Carter, who probably nobody even remembers. There was Ricky Lake, who was always on a diet. Oh, yeah. um, you know what I mean? There And there was Miss Piggy. So that's me. That's all I had, right? And then, so now these up next generation of girls, they have more options, right? Like they have people to, that they can seek out. There is more opportunity. So I think as we start to have these conversations, um, and learn to not be so brutal with our own selves that that all rolls downhill to your community. Right. So there is no easy fix for all that social media stuff, but what we can do is unlearn some of this so that the next generation of girls coming doesn't have to feel so wrong all the time. Yeah. And I do, I mean, I'm naturally an optimistic person, but I do carry that hope that, the the next generation coming up is tapping into a deeper level of consciousness is is my hope and my optimism and that they're seeing things yeah through a a heightened state of consciousness and I would think level for sure and we I think we can see that even in their um gender identity changes and and the Uh, way that they become so fluid about all of these things yeah um that there is hope uh, that they are more aware of the inherent racism that exists in the world, um, that they are more rooted. It's just now waking up their parents, you know, and their their older siblings and the, and the ones that don't necessarily have the exposure um, or the willingness to even talk about it. So I hope that just by me, you know, either being naked on Instagram and all my fatness, or being willing as a as a white 
human being to say, we are all inherently racist and we can talk about it. And if we heal that, it's so much easier to heal all the other bullshit we have going on inside us. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, you know, I, when you say that, it, it sounds comforting and it sounds very obtainable. And I know that in the, the work that you do, you obviously bring these things, these conversations to light and Mm -hmm. make them approachable and talkable. And you also have a practice of self-love and that's something that you, you preach and honor. And I would love if you could share a little bit about that. What does your self-love practice look like and how do you support the women, the individuals that work with you to feel the same it is daily little practices I think that's with anything we're trying to change or do I know you know that um one million percent Mm -hmm. Uh, it is catching yourself in the moment you know when you're about to say something just heinous about yourself (laughs) you know (laughs) I think it really is treating yourself the way that you would treat your best friend and I tell that to my clients take a pause before you start to verb, you know, mentally internal dialogue, berate yourself um, Mm -hmm. for whatever it might be, the dimple on your butt, the little, you know, the under chin that's coming or shit, I'm almost 47, the wrinkles, the saggy, whatever. Just Mm -hmm. take a minute and pause and give yourself a second to really remember that you are made of stardust and the divine and who gives a shit if you have a fat ass? You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's yes. just continuous moments of pause. You know, it's it's breath work. It's all those little things that equal. Even if we can just get for a moment of of self appreciation, you don't have to love yourself every second. That's unrealistic, right? But mm-hmm. if we could get to a place of um, just equilibrium you know you don't have to be all over it you don't have to be oh god I'm just the best thing that ever happened and my body's fantastic but if you could get to a place of neutrality that's better than a place of negativity Mm -hmm. Um, so I really work a lot with the moment to moment the little things you know the little even a glass of lemon water in the morning is an act of self-love you know it's just the little things that build up to a deeper sense of, oh shit, it's okay to love myself. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say is in your particular toolkit? So I heard you say breath work. I heard you say the lemon water. Oh gosh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm what are, the, what the lemon. Some... I know. I tell I anybody if you if you've met me once, you'll and I've ever had a conversation with you, I'll be like, now I swear, warm lemon water in the in your life. And it isn't that the warm lemon water will change your fucking your life. It's that the act of taking the time to nourish yourself a little bit. Sometimes I even do, I'll, you know, I'll say it's my, my rich bitch juice, you know, like I'll drink the lemon water. You set a little intention. <laughs> I do mm-hmm. that a lot. Uh, yes. I'm a firm believer in moving your body. Um, finding something that you just like to do. Don't do it because you're trying to lose weight or you feel like you need to, you know, burn some calories or 
oh, I have to work out because I didn't even sweat once today or I didn't get 10,000 steps in. Find something that you just like to do for the sake of doing it and move your body because the more you're in her, the more you love her, you know, mm. come into yourself. We spend so much time avoiding ourselves. Um, you gotta, you gotta meet her sometime. And for me, that's, you know, even a 30 minute workout, good music, a lot of water. Uh, I write a lot, you know, like any typical hippy dippy human, I journal, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's the basics. It really is. There is no magic. There is no like secret magic cure. There is only taking the tiny steps every day. And for me, that is movement, water, honestly, marijuana, and um, just doing the fucking work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really is the basics. And it's, you know, what I love too that you're saying and really resonates with me is just checking in with what you need in that moment. Like I'm, I'm not a regimented person in, okay, so I will try and meditate every day. That's kind of become a non-negotiable for me, but all the other things that I love to do, like journaling and going for a walk and yoga and all these things, it's not like I have to do them all every day. Or no. Hard on myself. It's just like, okay, what are some things I can fit into my day today and making sure that I prioritize my own well-being as much as I prioritize my work and my mm -hmm. care and my love for others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And getting out of that thing that taking time for yourself is selfish, right? This whole mentality that even just taking these little steps, oh, well, I don't have time to do that. I, I don't have 30 minutes in my day or week, just 30, move 30 minutes in a week. That's all I'm saying. But um, yeah. let go of some of that. I have to do all the things for everybody else. Cause if you're drowning in your own world of shit, you are never going to be able to help anybody else. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And so this makes me think about, um, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I'm so curious to know what sort of messaging or prompts do you have in your journal, which I know we can, we're going to link in to the show notes. And um, so your journal is on Amazon and it's titled fat is not a feeling. Oh, my fat is not a feeling. <laughs> yes. I, can you speak to that message and what sort of uh, things can people expect when they get your journal? Well, they can expect simplicity really. Um, Cause I think that, simple is better. I don't, I don't go for a lot of prompting. I think that you have your own internal dialogue, um, that you can work from, but I encourage you in fat is not a feeling to realize that fat is fat. Fat is not when you say, Oh, I feel fat today. That's utter crap, right? You're just avoiding whatever emotion is actually you're feeling. And you've just been brainwashed into thinking that fat is a feel like the way you feel. I just feel fat. No, you, you feel sad or you feel angry or you feel agitated or you feel mad, but you fat is not a feeling. You don't feel fat. It's on your body. You can't be fat. It is just a thing. Mm. Um, so I would say that it just encourages you to find one little thing that you're grateful for. Mm -hmm. Right. 
one little thing you're grateful for and identify an actual feeling. Like there's a list of them. It gives you a little list. It's the same list for 60 days. You can make up your own feelings. You can figure out, you can get the feelings wheel. They have a whole wheel of feelings you can find um, and pick one. But I can assure you that fat is not an actual feeling. <laughs> mm, I I love that you just spoke to that because, uh, you know, last night before I was going to bed, I knew that we were having this conversation today and I was thinking about the journal title and I was thinking, I've said that many times, like, oh, I just feel so fat or like, yeah, I feel, I feel uncomfortable. And then I thought I'm excited to ask Keely this question because I don't know what I mean then when I'm saying if fat is not a feeling, what do I mean when I'm saying I feel fat? What do you mean? That's, that is your, and that is the question to ask yourself. What is it that I actually feel? We, we have been taught so often that fat is bad. So no matter if I'm having a bad feeling, right, whatever that bad feeling may be that I don't want to identify or tap into, I'm just going to say I feel fat because that's easier. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if, fat it has such a negative connotation for no reason you know what I mean fat never did anything to anybody (laughs) um you know like it's and it is it's just taking a moment to really how how am I actually feeling right okay my jeans are tight but I'm not it's not really what I'm upset about what am I really upset about here um and ultimately realizing that you know there are a plethora of other ways to describe how you're feeling in a moment other than mm. using the word fat. And, uh, and, and what you just said really spoke to me too, when uh, you said, you know, uh, that fat never did anything and, and we've made fat bad. And it's so interesting how um, when I would say over the last maybe five years, if not longer, maybe the last decade, the the messaging has started to get a little bit louder of body positivity and mm-hmm. and loving and being in fat bodies. And then there's mm-hmm. been the naysayers who are like, you know, you hear the messaging of clearly being fat isn't healthy. And, and then it's like, but we, we can never look at somebody's body, somebody it could be rail thin or they could look average or whatever it is. And we still never can define health based off no. of what somebody's image looks like. But it's interesting that it's always fat equals unhealthy. Because BMI has been so ingrained into every human being, especially in North America, that BMI is the end all beat all, right? So you have been taught your entire life on a, on a size chart, right? Since we since we went to the pediatrician on our first appointment as babies, whether or not we're on the right track, whether or not we're too heavy or too big or too little, fat is not an indication of unhealthy. I have been fat my entire, I have visceral fat on my belly. I always have. I have a fat girl six pack. You can see my abdominal muscles underneath my fat because I could also bench press 125 pounds. I can, Mm -hmm. I can run a 10 K. I, you know, but I don't need to justify that. Right. I I shouldn't have to, I don't have to justify that I am able or a healthy and I use, you know, the quotation marks, a healthy fat person, 
Fat is not indicative of health and thinness is not indicative of health. I know thin mm-hmm. people who have been railed out on Coke who eat, you know, literal cocaine, who only yeah. drink Coca-Cola and maybe Taco Bell all the time, but they're thin. And so that they must be healthy. They will die yeah. before I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have survived all my life in this big, fat, beautiful, strong body. Fat is not indicative of unhealthy, but because of our attachment to BMI and all of these, you know, scales of what even children are supposed to be like, um, Mm -hmm. we automatically have just been programmed to assume that if you are fat, you are unhealthy. And even that whole fat to diabetes, that's all crap. That's all crap. It isn't even true. Um, You know, I have been fat my whole life. I've never once had high blood pressure. I've never been diabetic. I've been almost 400 pounds more than one time and have never had any of those issues. Um, but we are just programmed to believe that, that by way of obviously media and everything, even your own doctor, that somehow because you're fat, you must be unhealthy. Yeah. And, and the way that the world shapes itself to accommodate not fat bodies you know a girlfriend and I were out we grabbed a coffee on the weekend and we were going for a walk and we were talking about this whole conversation through a different way and actually what we were talking about is she was saying and she's she's quite thin she's quite slender naturally that's just her body type and she was saying how frustrating it was that she went to go um, search for a sweater and to look at her she'd probably look like an extra small or a small and she said the extra large has just fit me she said so if I'm an extra large what the hell are other bodies wearing like oh yeah that's how, it, how fat phobia runs rampant it is fat phobia is exactly oh, yeah. what it is it is fat phobic the the real <laughs> to just if if we really got into it, into it, I mean, just straight down. And you know that women's sizing is ridiculous. There are all sorts of studies now that show that. It's absurd. And I think that the more we realize these things and the more that we open up ourselves to these conversations, um, the better it will get. But also with the realization that all of those structures that are in place, all of the odd sizing, all of the uncomfortable seating, all of the fat phobia that is rampant in, well, I guess in the world, but also for the most part in North America significantly, um, is deeply, is rooted. It's all rooted in, in not wanting us as white women to be associated in any way with a black body. Mm. And so when you say that, do you, are you... Uh, is I don't know if the word I want to use is implying but then is there the implication that black bodies are bigger always I don't think it's the it's that black bodies are always bigger I think initially you know when centuries ago when the Moors came to England right the Moors were sturdy they were larger humans they were black bodies it was Mm -hmm. imperative for the British royalty or the hierarchy to ensure that the bodies of their women did not look like the bodies of their slaves or help. 
understand. So this is when we started to weigh cinching. This is when we started corseting our bodies to make for, for all the centuries before that, if you were a large bodied human, it was a symbol of health and wealth and prosperity. It Mm -hmm. wasn't until true slave trade became a thing, right? That the realization that we did not as white people want our women to look anything like what the slaves look like or the help look like. And then we started getting smaller and smaller and smaller and the standards became more narrow, more narrow, more narrow. And then it was like the creamiest white skin, the powdered skin, the tiniest waist, the smallest, most preteen male you could look the more aesthetically pleasing you were because you didn't look anything. Mind you, all these men were raping the slaves. It didn't matter, right? But they didn't want mm-hmm. the women to look like that. So, right. Yeah. It's it's a like it's we're in a real fucked up dilemma here in society. We are we are, but we have to it's have the uncomfortable conversations and it's okay to have them. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to I think we need to be at a point where we just are willing to start the dialogues right just to be able to have this on a podcast is it is so important and so impressive and so much gratitude is going out to you for that because people are afraid to just say it we're afraid to talk about it and there's nothing to be afraid of there is no meaningful change without hard conversations absolutely i I believe in that wholeheartedly and I believe in the power of a platform, whether you have one person that listens to you or a hundred or a thousand or a million with the ability to have social media, to have podcasts, to have YouTube, to just Mm -hmm. have a place to speak your truth and authenticity and hope and trust that it reaches at least one other person I think that's our due diligence really as, a, as a society. Um, and and we able... can do this with kindness and compassion. It doesn't have to be an abrasive, mean conversation. That's also what I think is important. We can have these conversations, especially in groups of women, white women, with compassion and kindness. Put down your shame and your defense, and we can have these powerful community-changing conversations. Mm. Keely, I have absolutely heard having you on the podcast today and, and being able to even just hear a little sliver of your, your knowledge and your love and your passion and compassion um, it really has, it's been a gift and I feel grateful and I feel like it's just the, just putting like the, the key in the lock and, and then now there's like turning it and opening the door. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much more here and I'm really looking forward to your book being out and, um, being able to read more of your words when it's, you know, you just speaking, fluidly and freely to what's on your heart and the message that you want to be heard and felt from others. I, I, that's going to be a really exciting 
time when your book gets to hit the the big open world and so hopefully spring we're working on her (laughs) yeah that's what I was going to ask is um is there a timeline right now of when I would yeah to see see it I would say um April of 2022 is realistic um you can anticipate a series but the initial offering is just going to be a bit of a pocket guide to unlearning a little bit Um, and some little steps that you can take within yourself to let go of some of that shame and self-loathing and that we now know is so directly related to the patriarchy and white supremacy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Keely, I, as we start to wrap up this episode, I feel like I just want to talk to you forever. Um, so I will, I think we'll probably have to do a part two and come back and continue yeah. the conversation. Um, but for today's episode, I, something I always ask everyone, as you know, our brand is my aligned purpose. And so yep. two, it's a two part question. What do you feel is your purpose right now in this season of life? That's part one. And then how do you know when you're in alignment with that purpose? I think I know my purpose in this season is to educate with compassion. And I know I'm in line with that. Oh, goodness. I see it every day. Opportunities Mm -hmm. like this coming for me. Um, The way that I see the women that I work with healing, the little notes that I'm getting from people who just follow me on social media, who've never even spoken to me. Um, I know that I know that I know that I'm here to do this work. I came in this body, this big, fat, white, beautiful body to do this work. I love that. And it's, it's felt and your presence and your message is so beautiful. And I'm so glad that you're here doing this work. And so grateful that you're in our community with all of us Canadians. I love my little Canadian badasses. They're so cute. (laughs) Yes, we love having you. So, Keely, I'm going to make sure that everybody who's listening to this has the links um, to everything. But can you just verbally share for those that um, won't ever want to look at what's written and let us know? where we can find you. So who are you on Instagram? Where can we find you? Is there a website? Where's your journal? All those sorts of things. You can find me at fat alchemy. That is the word fat and the word alchemy all squished together uh, on Instagram. That is also my website, fatalchemy.com. My journals are currently only on Amazon as it stands, but we're working on that as we speak. And the, that is a queer witch journal and fat is not a feeling because that's not a feeling ladies. (laughs) (laughs) That's a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, well, if I'm not feeling fat, what am I feeling? Okay. You are feeling a negative emotion that has nothing to do with the belly you have. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's like a aha. I'm glad that I asked you that because I, I didn't know I learned yeah. something new today. Yeah. Okay. So at fat alchemy, we'll make sure that all of those um, places are linked. And for everybody who's listening, 
whatever um, message that really resonated with you today from Keely, make sure that you reach out to her, let her know that her her words landed with you and what it was that landed with you. Because I know it's always really nice and um, can be appreciative to hear like, oh, I didn't know that somebody needed to hear this today. So whatever it is for you that you've heard from Keely, reach out and let her know. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being here with me today and for sharing your wisdom and your words and your honesty. Um, it's It's been really great. And I'm looking forward to doing a part two down the road. Me too. I adore you, Nicole. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.